different situations. You can't just potter along and cruise through. I mean, if, unless that's what you want. Mm, I love that so much. And I think another way to frame that is it's really great to always be a beginner. And the second we stop learning, we start dying. And if we see obstacles as a reason to stop, to retreat back to our comfort zone, we stop learning, right? Welcome to the Influenced Podcast. I'm Ella Dace, a social media manager and fashion designer. And I'm Bart Dace, a businessman by day, but more importantly, Ella's Insta husband. <laughs> Together, we run a social media company called Ella Bazaar Creative. We're here to talk about the social business world and the power of influence, how we learn from some and give to others. Welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined with a guest and she is a beautiful Perth girl. She is on the West Coast. We met over Instagram, of course, and I felt like I was watching her stories and we instantly connected. I messaged her and I was like, let's have coffee. And we did. And then she just has so much value to give. We were, the other day we were chatting on Clubhouse and I feel like this girl needs to talk to you. So I've got her on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on, Ali. Oh, Ella, that is an intro to never be seconded or followed up. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I feel so honoured to be here and to be introduced so beautifully. I'm so, so glad that you're here. I feel like... I feel like anyone listening is going to get so much value out of everything that you have to say. And I know that when we were on Clubhouse, everyone after was like, oh my God, you need to come on my podcast. I was like, shut up. <laughs> you know, you were, I, I will give you credit where credit's due. You were the first person to officially invite me onto a podcast. So here we are. I'm so excited. <laughs> don't you think that is just the beauty of Clubhouse though? Like you don't need to have a big following on there, you know, on there, everybody started out even playing field. It's the more active you're on there, the more you have opportunities like this or to connect with other people. It's great. I know you've been on there a lot. Mm, absolutely. I totally agree. The thing I love about Clubhouse is it really removes the vanity metrics. So it's not like, oh, this person's got 20,000 followers, so they must be legit. You really yeah. are able to connect with people in real time, in small rooms or big rooms and have really genuine connections and share value uh, in a real time, unedited, unfiltered way and that's what I love because that's where I shine better I'm um sure I love words and I love writing and things like that but when people say to me hey what do I do about this and I can mm. really respond from just sharing organically that I, I, I that just lights me up so much yes I love it too so before we get into what we're going to be talking about today do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into what it is that you do Mm, yes, of course. I love telling that story. So I am, <laughs> I am Ali and I have a very unusual uh, self-prescribed job title. So I am a worthiness mentor and life designer and I got here as many people do in the personal development, mentoring, coaching world. And that is I teach the 
pathway to the freedom that I found basically and I searched for many years to overcome a history of pretty intense childhood trauma that manifested into self-sabotage and limiting self-belief and a lack of self-worth and all that kind of stuff and it was really through finding alternative pathways that I was able to find true liberation from that suffering and pain and the common thread that I found was a basis of sorry a base of self-worth was really missing from a lot of people and causing them a lot a lot of suffering and so I now work with people to yeah help them develop a sense of self-worth to then create a life that really reflects who they truly are. Mm, I have been reading so much about this, how people are like, oh, I'm so lucky or yeah, you, you do deserve that good thing happened to you. And it's like, no, like you're worthy of that thing happening to you. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so true. I think we live in a world that has programmed us to believe that our worthiness is attached to job titles and physical appearance and other people's opinions of us. And our worthiness is inherent and is really truly embodied when we are able to truly embody who we are at the core of us but because we've learned to attach our self-worth and our sense of worthiness to these external expectations labels ideals we really forget who we truly are because we're constantly trying to live up to that version of ourselves that we've created or that has been created for us I think that's so hard for so many people because especially on social media, you see all the time, just, just be yourself, just be your true authentic self. But if you're constantly looking at others and comparing yourself and looking at what they're doing and you just, you're just trying to compete and stay up to that level, how can you really be yourself? Mm, Absolutely. And another layer to that is, So what you said is how can you truly be yourself? And when we spend, you know, when we get to adult years and, you know, we're both in our 30s and if you think of people that haven't done the inner work and the self-reflection, you know, they really don't know who they are. That's the thing. So some people who have never stopped to consider like, hang on, have I actually chosen my life around me? Have I? And that's why I call it life design, right? Because I was an interior designer in a life, a past life. And so I I really wanted to create a formula so people could go, hang on, I've I've chosen everything about who I am, what I do, what, how I spend my days. But a lot of people haven't taken the time to really reflect on whether they consciously chose everything that makes up their lifestyle and who they are. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. (laughs) I love that you help people do that. That's that's epic. Mm, Yeah, I really just help people find freedom. That's really all it is, babe. (laughs) Well, it is. It's so hard for a lot of people. And I feel like even for myself, and I know this is what we're talking about on Clubhouse the other day, is how when I first started my business, people would sort of be like, oh, that's so cute, like your little business. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, I just don't even know what to say to that. Like I try so hard um, to really embody love and compassion, but I am human and I just want to roll my eyes so hard when, you know, and people literally the last time someone said that to me was I ran into, you know, cause hello Perth life. You literally run into someone, you know, every time you leave the house. Yeah. Um, so I was like down the beach and I ran into like an old high school friend on the foreshore. Um, and he's like, so how's your little business going? And I was like, it's oh. literally, took every part of me to say well I just made three times more in a month than I used to make in my corporate career and I started less than 12 months ago so how's your little job going 
But then I was just like, yeah, really good. I'm busy. You know, you're like, you don't want to be an ass about it. But you're like, come, come from love. Come from love. I'm yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, they're well-intentioning, but yeah. people who have never – and I say this all the time because I love Brene Brown, but people who have never braved the wilderness don't get it. They don't know what it takes to A, say, I want more in life and I want more from life and I'm going to start following my heart and to actually put into action and to unlearn everything that stopped you from doing that and to, you know, reprogram your mindset and your um, nervous system and your emotional reactions to fear. Like it is, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of courage and consistent effort. And the reality is, is most people when they hit resistance and when they hit fear and when they hit these uncomfortable emotions, they use that as a reason to stop. And it's like, oh no, 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 no! The magic is on the other side of that. That's mm-hmm. that's when you know you're in the you're heading in the right direction. Yes, I love that. It's so true. It, yeah, that's. I think I've mentioned this book so many times on this podcast, but reading the obstacle is the way was literally one of the best books that I've ever read. And it just talks about that. It talks about leaning into those difficult times and those hard decisions and. I was talking about this with my coach and I was like, I, I had a few difficult client situations. I'm sure every single business does, but <laughs> in, instead of, instead of giving up and instead of throwing in the towel, which is so easy, which is like, it's so easy for someone to be like, nah, I'm just, just not going to deal with it. It's my business. I don't have to work with you. You're too difficult. My coach was saying, no, if you want to be, the best in your industry you need to work with these people so that you know how Mm. to get past that you need to know how to grow you need to know how to deal with people like this so that you know how to handle all these different situations you can't just potter along and cruise through I mean if unless that's what you want Mm, I love that so much and I think another way to frame that is it's really great to always be a beginner. And the second we stop learning, we start dying. And if we see obstacles as a reason to stop, to retreat back to our comfort zone, we stop learning, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's, I think it's, it's, I'm, I'm definitely going to add that to the to read pile um, because the obstacle is absolutely the way. And I just, I think that that's such a perfect, perfect title. It is. I think I need to reread it because that was, I was reading it just as I was starting this business and I was going through a real rough time in my head. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I need to reread it because I'm sure I was only taking out the bits that I really needed to hear at the time. Yeah. I think when you read these sorts of books, I have this with like Brene Brown and there's another one, um, how to win friends and influence what is it, how to win friends and influence people? I'm sure you've mentioned that on the podcast before. You know, you pick up something different every time because you're at a different stage than where you were last time. So different things are going to resonate and you, you know, you might get all of the surface level teachings and then you've integrated those and you've moved Mm -hmm. through those and then you pick up some deeper layers where you're like, oh, wow, this is like how to to implement the obstacle is the way Mm -hmm. 2.0. It just reminded me of a theme that I – ultimately always end up educating my clients about and it's understanding 
the toxicity of the relentless pursuit of happiness and how that has conditioned and programmed so many people to believe that anything that doesn't uh, bring pleasure or make you feel happy is wrong and that actually the truth to life is honouring and learning how to navigate the breakdown and breakthrough cycle. Our lives are literally just cycles of breaking down and then living in the breakthrough. And so I think when you really make peace with that and learn how to navigate the lower emotional stages of life, you know that a breakthrough is coming. You know you're going to reach a higher level of enjoying life. And the more you can do that, the quicker you move through it as well. So it's like you get to exist in the breakthrough stage more often, but you've got you've got to go through some rain to get the rainbows, right? You've got to live through some rainy days to be able to enjoy rainbows more often. Yes, that's so true. And I honestly feel like I, I that happens to me at least once a week and <laughs> at least where I have a really, really flat day or I have a really low day, but I know it's because I've worked super, super hard maybe the last few days before. And even in other books that I've read about the mind and how, how your mind works, it's, it's a muscle. So it's like doing a really intense workout. And then of course you're going to feel a little bit flat because you've just gone hard and you need to recover. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. something that I'm still learning to accept is that I do need to have more of those days where I do just chill and it's okay. And it's okay not to be super productive because you need to recover. Oh, you know, I, I, um, <laughs> This is going to be really funny because I know your husband, Bart, is probably going to edit this podcast. And um, I can I can tell he's very much in the masculine business world, which is like, mm. hustle, 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 work, work, mm-hmm. work, produce, never yeah. stop. And, yes, you know, the thing is here, yeah, right? And, <laughs> you know, men are very much fed this idea that you are only as worthy as what you are producing and how much you are producing and the results oh, that you're, so you're true. right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it is, it's really, if they step out of that, they're worried about going into shame. And so the one thing I really love to educate female business owners and female leaders on is you are actually biologically and emotionally not built that way. Like you go through four seasons every month and you need to honor those seasons. So when your body and your energy is in summer, like go for it, work 12, 14 hours a day because it's nothing to you. But when you're going into winter and autumn, like it's okay if you work five hours a day because you've put in the time in summer and it's really breaking this mentality of the like hustle till burnout. It's so toxic. It does not always result in success and often it leads to burnout. And then, you know, that's, you're like creating this really damaging and destructive breakdown breakthrough cycle. Whereas if you, you know, it's coming, you can set yourself up to work that way and be like, okay, I know that I'm due for my, you know, I'm due for my period in whatever time it is this week, I'm going to feel really good. Um, there's a book called period queen. I haven't Mm -hmm. actually read it, but I know that it's really about educating women how to work with their cycles. And I just think it's so important that we acknowledge that and we eventually, how great would it be if the corporate world really let this happen and there was enough enough empathy, understanding and compassion that, you know, equality and feminism is actually about realising that we are different, but we bring so much value and providing the providing the opportunities for people to thrive as best as they can. And I I honestly just started to notice this 
last year when I came off the pill in May and then my hormones were all out of whack. But then, then like I, I really started to educate myself around this and it is so true. I would have one week where I was so creative. I could do all of my strategies, could do all of everything. And then the week after was just, you know, have to do admin and just mm-hmm. get, get through the day. <laughs> yeah. And, and how damaging and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are really bringing this into for the forefront of people's minds. And I, I feel like specifically in the, you know, more emotionally, um, aware kind of community, uh, the spiritual, the coaches, all of that kind of stuff. This is, this is very, it seems a very common conversation, but I know for you and I who don't, haven't always been in these industries, you know, I worked in construction for 10 years. So try explaining to a site of 120 men when you're the only female that like, I'm really tired this week and I need you to be sensitive and understanding and not yell at me. And when my boss's nickname was Arnie, you know, and it's just recognizing how much our work systems and, you know, all systems pretty much are just not designed to support the way that the female body operates. Yeah. And I was even talking to a good friend of mine. She, she's in her first trimester, she's pregnant and she is not having a great time working in the office because, you know, the first trimester, you know, she's, she's not feeling well, she's sick, she's tired. And I could not think of anything worse. Right. You know, and it's these, it's times like this where you go, thank God, thank God I took the risk and I braved the wilderness and I created a reality for myself where I can choose to mm-hmm. invest when I've got energy and I'm able to take the break off. And to be honest, I would say that there were a number of particularly clear triggers for me that was like, get out of the nine to five, get out of yeah. working for somebody else. And there were two of them. It was having to ask another adult when I could take a holiday and yeah. it was having to ask another another adult if I could take a day off because I wasn't feeling well. Um, and my business success is evidence that you do not need to be slogging it out for <laughs> 10 to 12 hours a day nonstop. I don't even know. I can't even focus for that long most days. No, I, they, say, they say that really you're productive for four hours out of those 12. I tell some of my friends. Now, I'm like, I literally work four hours a day. But it's because I don't have the interruptions of colleagues and travel to and from work. And, yeah. you know, I've, I have designed my life so I get to spend a couple of hours every morning making sure that I'm really taken care of energetically so I can show up fully for those four hours. And I probably get done in those four hours what an average working person, and mm-hmm. I don't mean average working person, I mean a person working in the average and yeah, common. Yeah. I don't want to be like, oh, you're such an average person working yeah, in office. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, everybody has their gifts and talents and everything like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but yeah. And they're probably working in a space that's really not facilitating their expression of those. And, and yeah, so basically what I'm saying is in those four hours that I work, I can get done what I used to get done in 10 hours in an office. Yeah. No, I feel that as well. And for me, I feel like when I when I remove myself, say, from my workspace and I go work down at the beach or I go work in a cafe, you don't take your charger. So, you know, you only got that amount of time that you have for your laptop. And I feel like I smash it out because I'm on a time limit. It has mm. to get done. 
mm-hmm. has to get done now. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like when when I, when we were down south over the holidays, like Christmas, New Year period, I would go down for one hour down to the beach, a little cafe, and I'd work for one hour, and I feel like I got my whole day's work done. <laughs> Because you have you create those little boundaries with with yourself. My tip, my and I love this, right? Because when you're forced to realize that, like, no one creates the jobs for you that you're going to do during the day, you have to work out what needs to get done to move the needle forward. And you would have also gone through this, like, realizing what are actually important things that you have to do. And this applies everywhere, not just in business. So if you apply this even through the lens of healing. So many people get caught in like reading every book that they can find, but taking no action to put into like implementation of what it is that they need to be doing to heal and move forward and embody this person that they want to be. And it's, it's really interchangeable with business, right? And so you find these people that start a business and they're like, oh my God, I spent six hours today designing my logo. I got so much done. And you're like, um, is the logo even published? Does anybody even know that you do what you do? Like, I, and, and it was one thing I really had to learn. I was like, I don't need to learn anymore about being a mentor when I start a mentoring business until a certain point. Obviously, I need to learn how to market my business is actually what I'm and, – and that's why I'm enrolled in your course right now because it yeah. is it's, it's so important to recognize the areas that are important for you to take action and to use that time really wisely. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly how I started as well. You know, I spent hours and hours working on my website and that was great, but it was so, so basic. And then I was like, nah, someone else needs to do this. I just Mm -hmm. need to invest. I need to invest in somebody else to do this. So there are definitely certain areas in your business where if it's going to take you a really long time, time where you could be marketing yourself, making money, talking to people, then invest in somebody else doing it for you or teaching you how to do it properly yeah like Ella. Doing a course. <laughs> <laughs> yes you can all buy my course <laughs> no you don't have to but Ali has, and I'm very very happy <laughs> um, okay so sorry it's just cut out for a second oh have i i'm here no it's me one oh. second i'll just write this down Twenty one fifty. okay cool all right so i guess we can talk about a few other things we were talking about on clubhouse so it's a that was a really good segue into it um i guess the other day what we were talking about and i briefly touched on this when somebody else said to me as well how's how's my little business going and but I feel like she came from it from a completely different perspective like a really really beautiful perspective that she hadn't seen me in a really really long time and she was like Mm -hmm. it's so nice to see that you have gone and done all the things that you said you would do Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what that's actually a really really nice way to put it instead of being like, oh, how, how is your little business? Like it wasn't a patronizing way. It was actually, it was really, really nice to get that sort of feedback from someone that I haven't seen in 10 years. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I mean, oh, there's so much in that, Ella. And I think particularly the first thing that I notice is 
if someone says that to you at the start of your business and because you're, and I shouldn't say you, my experience was that I was so attached to the way people were perceiving me when I started my business that hearing things like that made me almost feel like they were looking at me as a, as lesser than them, than them and almost waiting for me to, uh, fail really, uh, is, mm. the, is, is really what the undertone of that is, is like, Hey, I'm so glad to see that you've succeeded because I kind of was thinking at the start, what are you doing? How are you going to make <laughs> this work? Right. Yeah. And that's what keeps you going. And that I think is the thing that I had to really continue working through and pushing through because it is such a radical act of bravery, A, starting a business and B, starting a business that is intrinsically linked with who you are. Um, I, I, (laughs) I've had been having some interesting conversations on the socials and I find the more I express my true authentic beliefs and views about the world and our current affairs, you really start to notice how uncomfortable people are when they don't agree with you. And I have learned how to feel very comfortable in people disagreeing with me. I don't care if people disagree with me because we are a huge human family from lots of different walks of life. And if we all thought the same way and saw things the same way, it would be a very robotic artificial intelligence world. And I'm not about that. Right. For sure. It would be so boring. Mm, And if anybody needs any help with that, I have a great video on my Instagram called how to disagree without being an asshole. And a lot of people (laughs) got value out of that. Did they disagree with it? (laughs) You know, no one did actually. It was, um, I'm glad I'm not glad. I don't really care. It was funny. I didn't get trolled for that one. Um, and a lot of people said, do you know what? I've never actually thought about this. Like I've never thought about the fact that I, I choose how I respond in any given situation. Right. And, and that really is the same, or that is so evident in how we handle people who can't see our vision and how we handle the people who subconsciously believe and perhaps through the way that they speak to us are really uh, giving us an indication that they don't think we're going to succeed. And I think the really, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I think the really frightening reality for a lot of people who step into the ultimate vulnerability of starting a business, of sharing themselves, of taking a risk is the people that you assume and that you think will be your greatest supporters are often the people who doubt you the most. And it hurts and it's really hard. Um, For me particularly, it was a lot of my family. There are still members of my family that glaze over when I speak about my business because they are, yeah, yeah, they're very, um, because I work in a mentoring space and in Australia, coaching is still pretty underground, right? And I think there tends to be this belief that coaches are people who can't be bothered becoming a psychologist, And that is just not the case at all. And so for me personally, the reason I didn't go down that route is because conventional therapy didn't help me. And it was actually in a mentoring capacity that um, my mentor helped me find what it is that I was looking for. And I was then able to do training with her. And that's basically how I've gotten here. But my family members who don't 
um, resonate with that, don't even seek to understand. They have just decided that Ali is doing this thing and we are not going to, we're not going to try and understand or support her in any way. We're just going to pretend that it doesn't exist. And Mm -hmm. at first that was really hard. That was really, really hard and it hurt me a lot and it made me withdraw from my family. Um, It also made me spend a lot of money uh, enrolling in a semester at university because I was convinced that if I had a university degree, it would um, back up my credibility in some way and then I realised that was so deeply out of alignment with what I believed and what I advocated for and the more I learnt, the more I was like, this is just, I am not aligned with this at all. Um, So, you know, it can really throw you at the start. But then, you know, with the support of having a mentor, um, because I believe every coach and every mentor needs to have someone helping them. Otherwise, how they even manage the energetic load of being a mentor, I do not understand. Um, So, it was really through that process that I was able to understand, like, I'm not in this business to help them validate me or to accept me or to understand me. I am in this to serve the people I went into this for. And if I give up now because a member of my family or one of my friends don't believe in what I'm doing, I'm never going to fulfill my purpose. And oh my God, I'm so glad I pushed through that because now I have, you know, a roster of amazing clients who literally are transforming their lives. And the word freedom is always one of the words that comes up in a discovery call. Like how are you going to feel if you really break through these barriers that you're facing? And it's always, I'm going to feel free. And then when we do the wrap up of the, the foundational course that I offer called the worthiness project, it's always like, wow, I really, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. I can't believe what I I've been carrying around for so long. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I did have a question for you, and this is something that I guess pops up a lot in my DMs and even in my coaching sessions is what was the point where you stopped caring about what other people thought about your business and just did you? Mm, that is a brilliant question. There are, I'm going to answer this with two, like a point A and a point B. So point A was when I got my first paying client. It was, it was a very like F you to everybody who didn't agree with me and, or didn't, didn't see my vision. And it was a like, okay, cool. This is evidence that it's working. And this now is the person I serve. And I think you'll know and be able to agree that the first client's always the hardest to get because people (laughs) want social proof, right? Um, So that was, it was probably, that really laid the foundation that said to me, you're on the right path. You can do this, keep going. And my point B is practice. Uh, It's, there's still some times at the moment where someone may disagree with me and I have to use my emotional regulation techniques to bring me back into myself. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I really do believe in being mindful of the way you speak to yourself, what the words you say to yourself. And I never now allow anybody else's rejection of me to be a reflection of me. And so if somebody disagrees with me and I've been trolled, I've been called all sorts of things for sharing my um, experiences, my beliefs, uh, and some of them are not popular opinion and at the start, you know, it was so funny, right? Let me. So when I was um, first coming out of the closet as a mentor, 
I was so scared of trolls. And because I was so scared of trolls, I was talking about them all the time. And I was like, I'm so worried that someone will troll me. And guess what happened? I got trolled all the time. And then when I started saying, you know what, I feel like I'm actually creating this. I'm inviting this in. Mm. I started going, well, you know, may I just be of service? And that's my intention. Every time I get on, you know, something like this. So as I said to myself before we got on this, I said, may I just be of service? If one person hears one 10 second snippet in this interview that helps them, that is me being of service. If someone resonates with an Instagram post, that is me being of service. And since I started embodying that and really making that my intention, I've never been trolled ever again. And I get so much encouragement. Not that that is what I live for because I genuinely believe that if you're only living for the likes and the positive comments, you really are not building the resilience to be able to deal with somebody else projecting their own shit onto you basically. Cause that's really all it is when someone rejects you, they are rejecting a part of themselves and they're just putting that on you. And it's up to you then to say, hang on, like I can see something going on inside of you and not take it on as truth. Like it is not, no one knows you like you know you. And yeah, so really getting to the point of not caring. I don't think that ever happens, right? There's going to be people around you who you love and you value their opinion. I think as you become more powerful in your own self, you choose those people very carefully. And you then you really filter out who you let have an opinion about you. And oh, there's just so many tools I've built up to really be able to have the resilience to handle that. And so I always remind myself, it's not the critic who counts because anybody who is putting themselves in the arena. And of course, if anybody's read Brene Brown, you know that I'm paraphrasing her message from um, Daring Greatly and um, the Teddy Roosevelt speech, but it's so true, right? Anybody who is putting themselves in the arena that is opening themselves up for criticism, that is having a go and making mistakes and growing and learning, they're not going to criticize other people for doing the same thing because they know what it takes to do that. And so really be super selective about who you let influence your energy and your opinion of yourself. I love those tips. I literally do one-on-one coaching sessions with these beautiful business owners and they have all their content planned out and they just get too scared to post it because they're scared of what people think. They're scared Mm. of what people might say, the criticism, Mm -hmm. which like 90% of the time doesn't actually happen. Let me, let me just go into that, right? Because that is so important what you've just said. And I have to uh, reprogram this with my clients a lot. And it is Mm. often the fear of the thing happening that is way more debilitating than the, than actually someone trolling you. Because most of the time, um, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time you, you are able, if someone's hanging shit on you in your DMs, when it really happens, you're like, what a dickhead. Like I now go to people, if they take the time out of their day to say something awful to me, I'm like, I am, I feel so sorry for you that you have wasted your precious energy sending a message like that to a stranger, you know? So I think there's a couple of things here. 
A, what you think is not always true, very rarely is unless you've, unless you've done the reprogramming work to be really clear about the beliefs that are on repeat in your head. Most of the time, they're actually protective stories to stop you from facing rejection, which is the number one reason people that are like, write these incredible posts and have probably over-edited them and made sure every word is perfect and then doesn't post it because they're speculating about what people might think. So... Mm. It's the fear of the thing happening that is way worse than the actual outcome of that happening. Um, The other one is that you are unconsciously manifesting what you don't want to happen. The more you allow the fear of rejection to navigate how you show up in life, right? Manifestation is literally the practice and the process of aligning yourself energetically with what you want. And if you are energetically living your life from a place of fear and constantly worrying about what could happen, you are, you are energetically aligning yourself with those things becoming a reality. Yeah. Right. Mm. No, there's some really, really good tips. And I feel like so many people that listen to this are either they've either got a business or they're starting out, they've got an idea and it is like fear does hold so many people back. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that you listen to this and take all of that into account and just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I say this all the time, but just do it. You can do it. <laughs> that was actually one thing I forgot to say is it's the confidence that comes with competence. And I think so many people want to feel confident without taking the steps that it takes oh, to become yeah. competent, right? Yeah. You don't. Mm-hmm. The example I use for this is like you were not born knowing how to walk. Yeah. You learn how to walk by falling on your face countless times. Business and becoming confident is the same thing. And there's um, an incredible uh, confidence coach called Erica Kramer, and she just wrote a book called Confidence Feels Like Shit. And it's so true. Okay, confidence doesn't feel good. People think that confidence is this thing that, you, that you're just born with and you feel great. Confidence is the result of facing your fears over and over and over again and doing the thing that scares the shit out of you. And then you become confident. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. Confidence feels like shit. I'm writing it down. Because it is just such the truth, you know, particularly when you're starting out. And you, you, Ella, you know this better than anyone. I've always been a loudmouth extrovert. Like talking to people has never frightened me. I've definitely been in the camp where I overthink everything I say. And because I talk so much, I've had a lot to overthink in my my life. Um, But you, and I, I know that part of your story is having to overcome the fear of being seen and saying the wrong thing and how much that held you back from even just speaking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now you can't shut me up. So (laughs) (laughs) because you face that fear over and over and over again. And the first time you faced it, you realized, Oh my God, is that all I was worrying about? Mm. She can't tell you that for the first time ever, my flight from Perth to Adelaide, the most recent one, a week ago, I was not afraid. I had no anxiety. I had no fear. And I fell asleep for the first time ever (gasps) on the plane. Celebrating you. That's a huge achievement. And it's because you just kept getting on the damn plane. And I think it's a thousand mindset books that I read over summer. (laughs) 
You know, there's a really um, excellent mindset slash neuroprogramming, polyvagal theory guru, and his name is Mastin Kip. And so for anybody who wants to look him up, it's Mastin, M-A-S-T-I-N-K-I-P-P. And he talks in a very scientific but also accessible way to understand how trauma impacts the body Um, and a lot of our fear, the majority of our fear, our fear of rejection, our fear of not being loved is all the result of a traumatic experience. And a traumatic experience can literally be a childhood experience where your feelings were invalidated, where you were shamed for a particular behaviour rather than being told that that was the wrong thing to do instead of that you are wrong. And so we learn um, to to see fear as a reason to not do things. And what he says, and I love that he talks about this because so many therapists tell their clients to not do the thing that scares them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin was opening up to me about a really suffering with anxiety and his therapist was literally just saying, like, don't put yourself in any situation that triggers you. And I'm like, that is the worst advice, literally the worst advice anybody could ever give anybody. No, 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 no. You teach people the emotional regulation techniques to learn how to move through the trigger. And then it is only by moving into the trigger, learning how to program and process and feel safe and come out the other side and rinsing and repeating that, that disarms the trigger. And so I just cannot stress enough how doing things that scare you is really the key to your ultimate liberation and the ultimate recipe for being confident. See, you you guys heard it here first. So, <laughs> so if you're if you're thinking about getting on your stories, thinking about posting, thinking about starting, hopefully now you've got a little kick up the butt to go do that. <laughs> celebrate range shit because it means you're having a go yes and i feel like if you want a bigger kick up the butt then ali is your girl definitely go check her out i will leave all her details in the show notes but where can people find you Oh, I am, as um, Ella would be so proud to know, most active on Instagram. Uh, so you can find me at The Alley Effect. Um, probably better to look up the show notes because most people put effect with an E rather than A, but it's the Alley, A double L Y, dot affect, A F F E C T. Um, and my website is thealleyeffect.com.au, and you can contact me. Those ways, I think, is the best way to get in touch. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I will I'll link you down below so that if anybody would like to go chat with you, they can easily do so. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your valuable tips. I really hope that everybody got a lot out of that. I sure did. So thank you so much. And I will chat with all of you in our next episode. Bye. Mm, bye, guys. Thanks, Ella. That was so fun. <laughs> Thank you.